Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to the Game Podcast from The Times. I'm Gabriel Marcotti, and this week I am delighted, not just because James Scowcroft is with me again in the studio. Hello, James. Good morning. There you go. As you can see, he's excited. But also, through the magic of telephony, uh, we're joined by Paul Hurst. And I believe he's making his his debut on the game podcast. Uh, so welcome, Paul. Hi. And later in the program, Gregor Robertson. Uh, not the Canadian politician, but the former footballer who uh, has been uh, writing very eloquently on the lower leagues for us in the game. He's going to be chatting to us. He's got an excellent piece on bungs in the lower divisions. But what was a pretty chock-a-block weekend, uh, we're going to start with Tottenham and Manchester City. Scoey, I'm going to start with you because I thought it was interesting. There was no Harry Kane, no Eric Dyer in the in starting eleven. Pochettino just said, "I'm going to go and I'm just going to I'm just going to press the hell out of Manchester City. You want to pass around us? Go ahead, make my day. It is high risk, high reward, and." It worked. Why don't other teams do that, especially bad teams who don't have anything to lose? Man City's there's a there's a problem. So if you press and Man City get that ball through the first line of the press, you then you're, you're back for and maybe your City midfield player are at risk and are isolated. That, so that's, that's why bad teams that are going to yeah, lose to so City they, anyway. Go, don't well, do we'll it. have a. a, a front two or front one we'll have a second screen in midfield we'll probably have two players sitting in front of the back line another three so it's just defending by numbers but if you go on the front foot and you do that the reward is you win the ball high up and they are disorganised you might get one full back who's out on one wing and the two centre halves are split but if it fails and they get through your first line of defence you're very fragile at the back Paul I'm going to chuck this to you if I'm a bad team or a team that's you know not as they're not as talented as, as City when there's an even bigger gap than there was with Spurs why not gamble that way why not press crazily way up the hit, way up the pitch if I'm probably going to lose anyway at least this way I might nick a goal or, or, or something I think that's right Gav. that's the that's the way to do it and and Celtic did it that way on, on Wednesday as well they just went at City from the start it was completely pressing they were pressing them really high up the pitch putting that panic into the defense and it, it came off you saw Kolarov you know having the first bad match of the season. He was fantastic for them at the start of the season in the first few games. But, you know, suddenly under pressure, he was he was buckling a bit and, and Bravo was the same again. And that's that's why Spurs 
you know, went for it again on on Sunday, and 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 that's why that's why it pulled off. They could, they could have paid a high price for it, uh, and and I'm curious. Pep started Fernando with with Fernandinho. It's the first time I believe this season that we've seen, yeah, you know, a more defensive midfielder start alongside Fernandinho. Obviously, there was no De Bruyne, but he did have Gundogan. Again, hindsight being 2020, would that have been a better option, a, a better sort of ball player in the mix? Well, I thought it was interesting. It seemed that Guardiola was, you know, going a little bit conservative for the first time this year. I think, you know, playing Navas ahead of Sané as well, I thought that came as a surprise to me. I mean, when, when I, whenever I've seen Sané this season, I mean, particularly when he came on in the derby, he just made, made Luke Shaw look, you know, pretty ordinary, really. With his um, with his speed and his you know his, his direct running, but yeah, I, I agree that Fernando was a, a bit of an odd one to play alongside Fernandinho. I, I was surprised he didn't play Fernando instead of Fernandinho because he had a, a bit of a mare in uh, in Glasgow, even though he scored. And Fernandinho yesterday was just uh, you know he he was just completely um, outmuscled by Wanyama, who had um, who you know dominated that that central midfield. Scott, I wonder. I mean, ahead of this game, it, it struck me that. If Spurs won, which they did, they'd be one point back. It almost feels like we've sort of overlooked them thus far this season. Is it maybe because they haven't played that many big teams before this week? Or is it the usual thing where we were also heartbroken last season that they fell apart, that maybe we kind of gave them short shrift? You're right. I think we have overlooked them. I think we've overlooked other teams as well. I think there's been so much focus on the two Manchester clubs other teams have gone under the radar as such Liverpool being one Spurs certainly being one I thought they fell away last season but on, on the whole they had a very very good season they've kept the players why why wouldn't they go again you know they're, they're, they're a talented squad they've got some really good players and I think you have to give a lot of credit to, to Pochettino do we really think that they would go away they're, they're always going to be hard to play against I think they they play high energy football they'll always score goals you know the big test is if they got somebody injured which they have done Harry Kane could they spread the goals around but it looks like they can and and I think it's time to, to take Spurs seriously I really do that sets me up nicely actually that you mentioned Harry Kane for my next question because I, I'm a big Hongmin Son fan I, I was last year and I kind of felt that you know in the summer it said oh well, somebody needs to back up Harry Kane it was almost as if like you know this guy wasn't even considered when in fact he has played center forward in, in the past and I think he has the attributes to do that well they spent a lot of money on Jansen but we've kind of discovered that this guy can do the job I mean You've played up front, and I believe you've also played wide uh, on occasion with your blistering pace. I, I, I got a bit of a nasty look there. But you were more of a technical winger, but when you did play wide. But can you talk a little bit about that? I mean, have you ever been in a situation like that where you know you you join a team, there's some hype, and the team does really well, and you're not in the starting eleven, and then season two rolls around? There were probably some people who thought, man, maybe we should just ditch Son over the the, the summer and then bring in another guy. Can you talk about sort of the the mindset there? Well, the mindset is is belief and you have to keep going. The actual mindset of being a professional footballer gets overlooked really and and you have to be mentally strong. And I I go back to, you know, Wayne Rooney at the moment is in I knew this was going to come back to Manchester United. Well, no, no, I'll give an example of of a very famous footballer. He's when you're out of the team, you have two ways: you can sulk, you can down tools, you can you know, get the humping training, which a lot of people do. But if you keep going and keep going, it will come. You will get that chance. And I think I, I don't know the lad. I, I don't know Son at all. But I can imagine, and I know this for a fact that Pochettino has a has a rule on and off the the pitch that this is the way we do things, and this is how hard we work. If you don't like it, that's fine. 
there's the door. But if you want to be in the squad, if you want to be in the eleven, this is what we do. This is our work ethic. And I think he's been fair to him. I think, right, OK, here's your chance, and he's taking it. Does he you, look like a centre-forward to you? It's hard to judge over a couple of, You have to judge someone over a period of time. I don't think so, no. I think he's got a lot of energy. I think he, he can be versatile. I think he can play up front. I can think he plays a 10, maybe slightly wide. But he's, he's starting to be a key player for them, isn't he? Paul, looking at it from, from City's angle, so it's, it's two games in a row that, that they don't win. Obviously, the, the Celtic game, you know, you can... You can, to some degree, write off because the, those were individual errors for which you can't legislate uh, and, and, and whatever else. I want to go back to what we talked about, sort of breaking the press. It seems to me that if teams are going to press you high and you're going to play uh, that, that build-up from the back, you need guys who are very, very good on the ball. And I feel like I've said this in like every single podcast this season. You know, it's one thing if you do it with Philip Lahm and, and, and David Alaba or, or, or Danny Alves and, and, and Jordi Alba. It's kind of another one if three of your back four, of your first choice back four, are Sanya, uh, Otamendi, and and Clichy. Or, right, Kolarov is good on the ball, generally. <laughs> but, of course, he lacks Clichy's, uh, uh, Clichy's athleticism. Does he kind of have the wrong people to play the way he wants? It's particularly in the fullback area, he doesn't have the players that he needs to be, you know, a, a proper Champions League heading, like trying to challenge for the Champions League. They haven't got the pace, they haven't got the passing ability. That's the main main thing that's uh, that's lacking in their game. Particularly someone like someone like Sanya. I mean, they've all been great servants to the club, but you look at their age, you're talking 32, 33, 34, and you just think that's the area that needs needs refreshing for for City. And um, if not in January, certainly next summer and Kolarov uh, he just seemed to be a completely different player in um, in Glasgow to, to the one that we'd seen at the start of the season so you know those those doubts are creeping in about that defence and but Pep won't change the way that he plays obviously we know that he sticks to his philosophy he won't have Bravo pumping it forward it's going to be like that this season it's going to be a helter-skelter season for City fans and they'll accept that you know because th- they play with risks and you know that's that's why they that's why they've enjoyed the football at the start of the season. It would be kind of cool if you could you know if you cast your mind back to those sort of sci-fi horror films from like the 1950s. If you could sort of cliche in one box and Kolarov in the other booth, and you sort of push a button and you sort of combine them, and some sort of super footballer comes out with Clichy's athleticism and and, and Kolarov's uh, uh, shooting and passing ability. And your uh, brain. Why, gee, thank you, Scully. It's the second nice thing you've said to me today. I, Paul, there's no reason to be to be concerned here, is there? Or or actually, let me ask you this. That being the case, if, you know, Clichy, Kolarov, Sanya, Zabaleta, good players, what's Big Stein's strategy of spending all this money in the summer on guys like Gabriel Jesus, who's not actually here and isn't contributing now, and guys like Leroy Sané, who... You know, it's very good, but it's, it'll be a while before he contributes. I'm not going to sign one or two really good fullbacks who who play the way Pep wants his fullbacks to play. Well, the one fullback that he wants is Hector Bellerin, but he won't. But Arsenal won't. They won't. You know, let him go. They, they will see no no reason to. Yeah, because Arsenal have right. never sold a player to City ever. <laughs> it's never. No, happened. that was maybe maybe I've been you know. Um, 
indoctrinated by listening to too much Wenger over the weekend because I did their, their match at Burnley yesterday. But you know that was a that was a different era. He, he, he told us and where you know where they had to sell players across the stadium, etc. But it depends if Bellerin wants to go. If Bellerin wants to go, then he could push for to leave. And why not go want to work under Pep? I mean, we, we don't know what the future holds for Arsenal, do we? Really, uh, beyond the end of the season, particularly if now that you know Wenger's flirting with with the idea of becoming England manager. So that he, he's the one that they want, Bellerin, but. And obviously, he's, you know the the Barcelona connection with Pep is a is a very strong one, and you know he fits the bill. He's quick. He's well, he's rapid. In fact, his passing's great. He gets up and down. He he, he works very 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 hard. Okay, let's cut to the chase here. Why didn't if it's not Bellerin? I mean, there's tons of other people. There's 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 Gaia. There's I mean, there's a million guys they could have signed. Why this sort of square peg round hole? Does anybody ask Bagheera Stein that? Well, does Bagheera Stein never talk to the media? No, no, he doesn't know. Or very rarely. Does he uh, actually live in Manchester? Because I've heard conflicting accounts about that too. I, th- I think he, he does, yeah. But I, I, he's, he's very kind of like he's very shielded. I know one of my colleagues uh, bumped into him in the lift in the in a hotel in, in Glasgow last week, and to his uh, when they got to the top, his uh, his PA was waiting for him, and she wasn't you know particularly happy that or you know, seemed shocked that. That one of my colleagues had spent, you know, five seconds in a lift with uh, Bagheera Stein just in case he managed to, you know, get any uh, juicy gossip out of him, which yeah. obviously he didn't. Because Bagheera uh, Stein is so notoriously it. loose-lipped, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, if I, yeah I, I can't obviously repeat all the um, millions <laughs> of, of, of lies that he's given me off the record on this podcast. But, um, you know, it's very, very closed kind of shop with with the sort of city executives all right i something we need to clear up here uh because it keeps coming up on twitter uh a while back i talked about mustafi and kasialni and how i thought on paper based on their body of work before they got here they could be one of the top three defensive or center back partnerships in in the premier league obviously without having seen them play together right this incensed a lot of people, especially Spurs fans. What about Alderweireld and Vertonghen? And I take it as granted, I would put them in the top three. Just out of curiosity, I'm just going to ask you both, just so we can have a wider range of, of opinions. So please think about this as I finish my sentence. Who are your top three in terms of ability and, and the way and chemistry and the, the, the way they mesh together or you think they mesh together? Top three defensive centre back partnerships in in the Premier League. I'm going to start with you, Scoey, because you're leaning forward as if you're about to talk, and give Paul a few more seconds to think about this. Daily Blind, Eric Bailey, Bailey, Bl- Bl- Blind and Bay. Yeah, yeah, that's one. Okay, uh, I All think right. there's a partnership there. You got brain, you got a footballer, you right. got athleticism. Yeah. So you got Bay and uh, and and Blind, and then can uh, you name two others? You, not, not really. No, you not can't name moment. a top three. You could just name a top one. Uh, it's too. <laughs> All right, you no, can't, you're, you, but you're judging people after a couple of games. No, I'm thinking, not. I'm oh, judging what, people. We've what, been what through this. I'm judging people they on, on everything they've done in their career. To the, to, but if uh, they've played together apart from a handful of games, so how can you say? Right, exactly. but what, why do clubs sign people thinking they might make a good partnership because they've nothing to go on? They they're still hoping. have the skill set. They've, they've been professionals for a long time. I'm asking you, right? Can you come up with two centre backs? All right. Why don't you spend some more time Keith on it, Morgan? Huth and Morgan, okay. Great partnership. All right. And another one that's better than Mustafi and Kasiani? All right. While he thinks of his third one, Paul, can yeah, you Yeah, they give are me th- better, yeah. They yeah, are? Yeah, I, I think so at the moment they are. Champions so the top- last, year, last year. No, no, I'm asking you, who are your top three partnerships? Well, I've given you two, and I'm now thinking of a third. Okay, while you think of a third, let me turn turn to Paul. I think Alvireld and Vertonghen are better. 
Thank you. Can you give me two others? No. <laughs> I think I think those you know those two are the. There's no real outstanding centre half partnerships other than I think those two. I, 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 just the, the way that Vertonghen and Alderweireld you know combine you know the, the, the qualities um, as a pairing. You know Vertonghen's a bit more of a bruiser. Alderweireld's uh, passing is you know is 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 exceptional as well. I, I just think they complement each other better than any other. Other two. Uh, yeah, I'm totally with you on Alderweireld. I think Mustafi and uh, Kasialny are up there too. I'm not sure I agree with your two nominations. Do you have a third nomination? Are you going to go with Alderweireld and Vertonghen? Or you just not no, like no, those I'm guys? Gonna, I'm going to be just to get your backups. You. Who else am I going to go with? Right. Two lads at Burnley, I think, are a good partnership. Uh, did you know their names? Yeah, Michael Kane. Not Michael Kane. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Kane's an actor. I think you're thinking Keane, yes, because everybody's talking about him and his coach told me how everybody's interested in him at right. the moment and wants to buy him. And the other guy's name is? He's Ginger Air, isn't he? Fair hair. Me? Ben Me. Ben Me, that's right. Well, let's move on. Let's talk about Burnley and, uh, and Arsenal, in fact. Paul, you were there. I had this game on TV. I was watching other games at the same time. Every time I looked up, it, it looked as if sort of Burnley were just kind of out-hustling Arsenal and sort of bad Arsenal were back. And, and it looked like it was a different team from uh, from the one we saw at, uh, at Chelsea. Is, is that or against Chelsea the week before? Did I see that correctly? Yeah, it was It was bad Arsenal. It was, it was the Arsenal, the bad Arsenal from the second decade of Wenger's time in charge who constantly, you know, they camp out in the... Opposition half. There's a lot of shuffling the ball about, you know, waiting, 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 trying to find a probing pass, trying it, getting, you know, attempting one, then, you know, getting cleared, not finding the man, shooting from, you know, ridiculous distances and putting it into the crowd. They just look toothless, really, and that's really odd to say when you've got such, you know, attacking, such um, fantastic attacking players as they've got. But it just looked, looked like they'd given up by the end, and it was only because. Obviously, Koscielny slam dunked it into the net that they that they ended up winning it against you know organ- an organised team like Burnley. Yeah, I was going to say, he, can we not give praise looked... to Burnley? Yeah, oh no, absolutely. Yeah, they, I mean, Sean Dyche said afterwards, he said we we run the you know, no, 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 no. We have a rule here that whenever we quote Sean Dyche, we have to do it in a Sean Dyche voice. <laughs> right. You see, I've got I've got a bit of a cold, so I can sort of pull off the gruff voice a little bit. But he said we made no attempt to pass them off the park or something like that. So he, he, he basically, you know, they were organised. They, they kind of just tried to get it up to Vokes and hoped that he'd hold it up and then bring other players like Boyd into play. Um, and it did work. I mean, it worked for, you know, 93 minutes. They do unsettle teams, don't they? They unsettled Liverpool when they come to, to Burnley this year. Even Watford the other night, they just did not let Watford settle. They had the best chance of the match. So Michael Keane at the bar, or Michael Keane, or one of the two, I can't remember which one. Um <laughs> And then you know, Sam Vaux had a great header in the first half as well. It just, you know, it, it, it could have easily been, you know, two or three to Burnley, and that just shows, you know, how how clinical. Well, how, how, how much? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the word I was looking for. How lucky Arsenal were at the end when they offside goal handballed into the net. Um, Ninety third minute. Would it be funny, Scoey, if Arsenal win the title because of these two points because of this? Or, or, or if, or less funny if you're an, if you're a Burnley fan, if if, if they you go down relegated. by a point, that's that's the that, that's the worry, isn't it? Something like that. It's such a poor decision, really. Well, I tell, I tell you what, it will mean the merit money is so much in the Premier League now. I bet that goal 
and you look back over the season, maybe two points there will cost one team millions. Just, just want to get you on Burnley because you're obviously a, a fan of of what Dice is doing. Mm. Last time they were up, I thought, my God, these people are absolutely terrible. Uh, other than than Shackle and, and Trippier, who, who's obviously gone now, I see them this year. They look better. I mean, Keane, as you said, is a player. I think they they spent quite a lot of money on him. Right? Wasn't it six or seven million? Obviously, DeFore. Maybe a bit of a gamble given his yeah. past and his injuries and whatever, but well so far. you know, credit to to, to Sean Dyche for saying like, oh look, here's a skillful player who maybe, you know, isn't a beast, but I'll stick him in there and I'll make other people work for him, and thus far it's worked. These guys can stay up, can they? I think it'll be tough for them, but I think they've got a like you said, I think they've got a better chance than what they had last time. It, it, it's the team represents a manager, doesn't he? He, he comes across, and I, and I think he's going to get a good job, Sean Dyche, soon, and, and rightly so. I think he might feel he has a good job. I'm sure he has, but I'm sure there's he, he will go on to. I, I think if they don't stay up, I think he will move on, and I think it's about time that someone should give him a chance. Whenever I see them, whether they can do this for the whole season, they, they it's almost similar to Leicester's tempo that they played with last season. High energy, they, they get about very, very simple, four four two. I think you've got to start giving these boys some credit that he actually knows what they're doing. A word on, on Arsene Wenger, we seem to talk about him a, a lot, but uh, it is 20 years now of Wenger at Arsenal. Surely he's the, must be the longest serving overseas manager. Paul, obviously nobody would have imagined this when, when he got here. Do you think he's just become a complete, as some suggest, a complete one-off and, and nobody even has any interest in, in replicating a Wenger situation? In other words, where a manager comes in and little by little changes a club, bolts it in his own image and, and sticks around for 20 years? Is that just something that, that's just not feasible in the game today? No, I, I, I don't think you know, we'll, we'll see another, another, another person like it because he's, you know, he had that. He had that patience. Uh, the, the Arsenal board had that patience and trusted him from 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 day one. And you know, with so much pressure on, on teams these days, you, you wouldn't get you know you you wouldn't get a manager. Well, to be fair, he won the league in his second season, didn't he? <laughs> no, but I mean, we, you know, for the last you know last ten years, right. you know, it's hardly been a wash with the trophies, has it? Um, Arsenal. Also, I, I think I think the mentality of the the managers has changed as well. I, I don't think a manager or a coach wants to stay around for. For, for such a long time anymore, I think you know it's become you know fashionable to to, to have you know three or four years and then and then then seek a new challenge. I think I think coaches have become a bit more you know a bit more you know forward thinking in terms of you know they want to experience this place and at one club and another club, especially ones at the at the very top end of the. Uh, uh, of, the, of the spectrum. I, I guess it's one of those those things that to which we'll never have the answer. Obviously, Sir Alex Ferguson, well, he had the opportunity to leave several times. I think the only time he really considered it was in the mid-90s to, to, to go to Inter Milan. At least that's what he told me. Well, he, he was, was going to retire, wasn't he? In, was well, no, but they've inside the retirement well before that. And he mid- just said he only considered to leave once, and it was twice. Well, I think when you leave to retire, then I'm talking about you know when he, he seriously considered moving to another club was in the mid-90s. At least that's what he told me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously Wenger had his flirts with, with Real Madrid and, and, and Paris Saint-Germain. You wonder how like sort of the history of football would have changed if they had if they had moved on at the time. Is there anything we can still learn from Wenger after 20 years or have we learned everything? I think it's a fantastic achievement, 20 years at a, a football club. I think you know, people people say he changed England English football and brought in new methods. For me, when he came, he, he knew the French market. He knew the French players. The the game now is so global. Could he come and now pinch the best players out of France under everybody's nose? No, I don't think he can. 
But his teams, you, know, you go back to the Invincibles, as good a team as what the Premier League has ever seen. I think he deserves a lot of credit. Me personally, I'd like to see him be the next England manager. He fits the bill better than any other person. But the last 10 years, of, of no other manager would have stayed around if he wouldn't have um, had the first 10 years, really, would they? So it's, it's, I think those days are gone. We're in a new era now. Let's move on to uh, a different kind of financials, and I'm delighted to be to be joined now by uh, by Gregor Robertson. Regular readers of the game will know him as uh, somebody who actually got paid for playing football until just just over uh, a year ago. Or try. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive & June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Till just a few months ago, if I'm not mistaken. And now, of course, writes about the lower leagues, pulled out some wonderful stories. Gregor, welcome. Hi. Hello, how are you doing? Yes, very well. Thank you. Thanks for, for joining us. Uh, um, I'm here with uh, uh, James Gocroft. Uh, did you ever play against him? Don't think so. He's probably played at a higher level than me, unfortunately. <laughs> I don't know about that. Gregor, you, you talked about, you wrote this piece today, the reason we're having you on, obviously it's been quite a momentous week with the uh, with the Telegraph uh, investigation, uh, which obviously brought down Sam Allardyce, and we will be talking about that in, in a little while. But the whole issue of, of bungs, uh, which for those who don't know, are basically bribes or inducements to go and uh, uh, to get a manager to go and do something. Uh, a guy who I believe is a friend of yours... Tommy Wright it seems to be the only victim thus far other than Sam. Uh, unlike Sam, I don't think he'll be getting a big fat payoff. But uh, and I want to stress, Gregor, because uh, this Tommy Wright is not the guy who manages St. Johnston. This is a different Tommy Wright, correct? That's right, yeah. yeah. This guy was the assistant manager at Barnsley. Leicester legend when he's dying. Who? Tommy Wright. Do you know him? I can remember watching him play. He's a very good player. But do you know him personally? No. Okay. Gregor does. That's why. Okay. That's why we're... You you seem you seem right in your piece that this culture of of brown envelopes or certainly that the rumor mill has been around a long time. But I also and maybe I'm misreading this. 
you, you also seem to treat it as something that's not necessary, that not quite a victimless crime, but also something that really football has no real appetite to clean up. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, like I said in the piece, it's a completely different beast to, to what happened to Sam, Sam Allardyce. And I think, yeah, I think it's kind of almost viewed as a little part of part of doing business, really. It's just the way it's the way it's been done for a long time, and it's also no nowhere near like it used to be. I, I still suggest that there's still a little subculture where where, where this goes on. Uh, so you know, you, um, I mean, you you mentioned a case there of of when you were a young player, a, a senior player, not quite leaning on you, but you know, suggesting that you go talk to his agent. Uh, in case you wanted to sign on with him, and and you talk about you know maybe wondering whether that senior player would have had a kickback from uh, from the agent if you'd signed on. This yeah. sort of thing goes on. Do you have a problem with it? It's, it's hard to kind of, uh, to differentiate that from a lot of from any walk of life. I mean, people if you have contacts, you put people in touch with people. That's really what's happening there. Um, obviously, when money changes hands it's, it's kind of a little bit different but that's not that's not an uncommon practice i mean if if if, if there's a if there's a good young player um and you can be put in touch with them then you're going to kind of reward the person for that that's what that, but, that's that's what happens but if the implication is okay gregor you want to stay at nottingham forest we'll give you a professional contract why don't you leave your agent over here and sign on with that guy and if you do that you will get a professional contract if you stick with this other dude, you might not. Yeah, I mean that's obviously a different different proposition altogether. But what I know is that there's all the time people are influencing players and giving them kind of who who they think they should go with. I've known that from managers suggesting I mean suggesting an agent they should go with. Do you think we'd be better off if we just had completely a sort of Chinese wall so that if you're an agent, you can't represent a manager and a player? Or maybe B, if there was even more transparency, if, there, if I had a searchable database of what agent represents what player and how much that player earns and what the fees were and who got paid on what commissions. If there's, if there's, any, if there's any relationships between a club and, and an agent and they're the person who, who has the influence over the fee, then it's very hard to police. It's not, it's not, it's not an easy thing to... If, someone, if, if, an, if a chairman or a chief executive or a manager has a relationship with an agent... And they are the person who chooses the fee for that agent. How, how do you how do you police that? I think that's an excellent point. I, and I've long felt actually, the owners could, uh, if they really wanted to stamp this out, they could probably do it more. But they often do see it as a cost of of, of doing business. Uh, Gregor, thanks so much. Uh, the piece is in uh, uh, the game on Monday, uh, worth reading. It's the, above your piece as well, isn't it? Which a lot of people miss out. It's twice as big as your bit, but it's yeah, because that's because it's twice as good. And there's a big <laughs> it, picture. Oh, I didn't say there's that. A but pic- I was just... There's a big picture of Mike Bassett to go with his. It's yeah, funny actually, Gregor. It probably occurred to you, like you write it. You write well, it. I thought that was you. Oh, right, uh, that's you right, there. And that's right, Mike okay, Bassett. Yeah, there. So this is this is a humorous James Cockcroft here all week. But uh, Gregor, no doubt occurred to you that if you write a piece with a headline "Kickbacks and Bungs Part of Games Culture," for legal reasons, the only picture of a manager they can put is an entirely fictional one. Uh, although he does have a mustache and sort of a similar haircut to somebody I can remember. But, uh, Gregor, thanks so much. Thank you. All right, well, it is worth reading, Scoey. I'm glad you did read it. Uh, let's start with the bungs, and we'll get, we'll get on to the England job. What I found remarkable, and this is the conclusion I sort of came to, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, was not so much the Allardyce stuff, but sort of, I think it was day two, when they had this Scott McGarvey and, and Pino Pagliara on and the wonderfully named Dax Price. The DAX, by the way, is the Frankfurt. Uh, it's a German stock exchange. Did you know that's know going? That. Yes, I do. All right. Type of hair wax as well. 
I don't use hair wax. I, 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 I'm starting to need it less than I used to. Uh, anyway, it struck me that you know all these agents naming names and wonderful stories about the little cup of coffee and, and this, this, this manager this and that manager that. It would have been great if then they'd kind of stood by that rather than coming out and saying, as, as Pagliara did on Saturday or Friday, I think it was, oh, look, I just made everything up because I wanted to impress them. I thought they were criminals. I wanted to do business with criminals. And so I thought I'd make myself seem more criminal than I really am. Uh, and by the way, for the avoidance of doubt, Pino Pagliara is somebody who's, who received a five-year ban for, for match-fixing not that long ago. And so I made everything up. This investigation can't go anywhere if these people say, oh, look, I was lying, and they don't offer any more detail than they did on tape, right? Yeah, you know, I, I just think, like, you, you said it yourself there, I, I was... He's lying because he was working, you know, or he was talking to criminals. I just think, you know, that kind of sums it all up, doesn't it? The whole kind of the messiness of it all and, and the kind of the, the fact that, you know, this is this is the, you know, how it works sometimes in, in football. And But like you say, unless, you know, they come out and put this on record to the police, it's just, it can't really go anywhere, unfortunately, I don't think. He needs, some, he needs someone to step out and say, you know, this is, this is happening and I'll probably have to... You know, bite the bullet for it themselves, and I just can't see anyone doing that. I think it's going the only way, like in the mob films, is you need to get somebody who has taken and paid a lot of bungs, catch him red-handed, and say, "Listen, we'll cut a deal if you sort of turn state's evidence and tell us everything you know." You need to find some uber mega bag man. There's there's two or three people who but, I can think of. But then again, Gab, it's that. hard to prove, isn't it? Anybody can, but, but where's your evidence? Now, I could say to you. You know, and I'm sure this happens at your Masonic Lodge on a Friday night. Mm-hmm. That it all goes on in, in Belgravia. I am a part of the Orange Order, of course. Exactly. But how do I prove it? How do I, you know, unless you well, actually film someone with cash in their hand, giving well, it to somebody, it's well, very, no, very hard. There, there, are, there are other ways. I mean, I think a lot of the, the whole sort of bags full of cash, unless you're poor Tommy Wright, probably doesn't apply so much. It's probably more a case of offshore accounts. Yeah. So... If you could show that, and if you get the tax man interested, I, I really think but, the but only way this happens with, is if, with Harry Redknapp, and it cost the taxpayer a lot of money, and, and nothing was proved. It all got washed away, and well, because maybe there wasn't enough evidence there. But that's what I, I, I agree with you. But if you have, if you have that evidence, and if you have people who are willing, yeah. it's so hard, and success is so hard to. And then there's clubs. You look at United, you look at City. Everyone's trying to do it, trying to buy success. It's a, if you're going to accept £100,000 from it, that's great, but ultimately it's probably going to cost you a job for a bad sign-in or a bad decision like Sam Allardyce. The money you can earn by being a player, by being a manager, by being an agent, you don't need a £50,000 check in some Cayman Island bank account or this, that and the other. Money will follow. One of the best bits of advice I've ever given is a young lad, do let all your football do the work, work really, really hard, and everything else will follow. Money, fame... Whatever, I, I, I think we'll the, all follow. You don't need to. Maybe to do the that. difference, Goey, is that you had the ability and the drive and uh, the the hunger to, uh, and crucially, again, I go back with the ability to become a top flight footballer and earn a very handsome living that way. And you also are hand, are are a person with values who doesn't seem particularly greedy. Not everybody is like that. Most of these characters who make these decisions, you know, maybe they didn't have the star footballing career that, that you had or they don't have the same values that you have. Look, it goes on. It goes on in any walk of life, doesn't it? And I think I you, you you will know this better than 
as a, as a country, is there corruption? Well, of course there is. It, it's not as bad as what it is on the continent. I'm I'm, I'm sure. You know, I've, why? Because they're foreign. I just think it, it's it's more of a sort of a, a done thing. Uh, I think actually, in some I, ways I just it's... think now, and, and I've, I've spoken to people all last week, and I've been with different kinds of football players. I think people now are thinking, do you know what? A the stigma of it. If you get caught doing it, is is not great. Yeah, because it really derailed George Graham's career when he got caught, right? No, but it was, he came it's back a new era now. Really no, no, no. Social honestly, media honestly, with, you with, about, with you talk about the stigma. Think of all the people who've been accused, right? Right. Terry Venables, Brian Clough, George Graham. Did did it did it ruin their careers? You know, go and go and have a coffee with Sam Allardyce this morning and see how his career is. Sam Allardyce wasn't accused of taking bungs. Not not oh. not not now. Actually, obviously, it was in two thousand six, and it wasn't proven. But if George um, Graham, if George Graham would have got caught today in today's, he he wouldn't work again. You 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 may well be you may well be right. What is interesting though is that people who have been found guilty, mm. and there aren't many, like Runa Howe, like Pino Pagliara, still work in football which means somebody is working uh, with they, them. Yeah, I'm, okay, and I'm so, sure they do. But, um, but I, I want to move on to, to, to Sam Allardyce. Actually, Paul, can I ask, are you an England fan? Yes, I am. Okay, so you're not I'm one of those weird guys I'm, like Matt Hughes with like some sort of Welsh grandparents who just, just loves Huddersfield and hates England and, and, and the England team and whatever. Like You actually want England to do well. How did you feel with the Allardyce stuff? Did you think, do you think that that was entrapment? I think it was very silly from... Allardyce's point of view. I, I, I'm not sure whether you know it probably probably was entrapment or the, the trap was laid there, and he just you know decided to walk straight into it. But, you know, ridiculously. I just think the thing that annoyed me most about it was obviously that when he's talked about you know getting around the third party rules, etc. That was ridiculous thing to say, and you know that was you know incriminating. But I think the most embarrassing thing for him was the way that he projected himself as you know, in, in the you know, to this guy, knowing the fact that he's an England manager, it doesn't matter whether it's public or private, you are the England manager. And if he's saying he's you know, he's he's having a go at Gary Neville, he's he's taking the Mickey out of Roy Hodgson's speech impediment and he's uh, you know, he's he's making a mockery of, you know, the opposition that they're playing next. And he's obviously going for this uh, you know, he he wants his extra money as well. He's a keynote he's just, speaker. Yeah, but he's just it's just bad conduct isn't it maybe i'm being would, a bit too old-fashioned in this but would you have I, I, if, if you were greg if you were reincarnated as, as as greg clark would you have sacked him yes just like that definitely yeah i mean i i know a lot of england fans who spend thousands tra- traveling around the world to watch england and, and you just think oh well this, this guy's got he's got a three million pound a year salary and within a few weeks of taking the job you know he, he's touting himself out for you know another nearly half a million pounds to go, do and, go and do these, uh, you know, these speeches. I mean, Roy had his kind of his faults, but he, he would have never done something like that, I wouldn't have thought. I'd say maybe I'm being a bit too old-fashioned about it, but, you know, the etiquette of an England manager is quite an important thing, isn't it? James, you're nodding along. Would you have Would you have sacked yeah. him on the spot? No, you just couldn't stick with him, could you? Can you imagine now the build-up to International Week? It would have just been constant and... I think what would have happened, any poor result, the press would have jumped on him again. And uh, and I think the FA just had no choice, really. Ian Herbert wrote a really, really good piece in The Independent. I don't know if I can I mention that. Of course uh, you could mention it. And Paul's it. just mentioned it. It's etiquette, isn't it? <laughs> we don't, we don't want those places where we pretend that other media outlets don't exist. No, no. Well, Ian Herbert's a very good journalist. <laughs> we've mentioned The Daily Telegraph because they, they ran this investigation. Yeah. We've, we've mentioned The Independent. But he didn't do anything illegal. 
He didn't say or do anything. He maybe just brought some level of embarrassment. And that was his case, and maybe he felt he was treated a bit harshly. But you obviously disagree. You're more on, on Paul's side. He's telling people how to get around FA rules who employ him. It's not, it's not a secret. He's telling you how people do it. And he's it's kind of like if I remember before when, on I, head. Was, sorry, remember when I was explaining to you how credit card fraud works earlier today. Yeah. Does that mean I'm somehow breaking the law because I'm telling? No, it's anybody knows how it works, right? So remember you asked me about identity about theft. So you're here in a jogging suit now, and if you go on ESPN mm-hmm. on TV, you're in a lovely suit. You get all dolled. It's an image. You right. can't have the I'm bloke. Camera, you you can't can have the bloke who is at the very very head of the leading governing body of that sport, taking A, the mick out of the previous manager, is speech and impediment. Right. But if your kids have a speech impediment, someone's there taking the... Roy Hodgson's not my kid. No, but I look, no, obviously... But, uh, putting napkins over his head, saying, I don't know anything about that, <laughs> like you say. It's just, it's just right. no class. Right. Would so you, you make an image Pep thing. do that, do you think? No, no. I, I think, no, Klopp I agree with you. And I think, given the status that you guys in this country... And, free to do what you want, but you view the England manager uh, as sort of a, somebody else wrote a really good piece about this, I forget who it was, you treat the England manager as if he's some kind of, of, of ubermensch who's responsible for the, for the happiness of, uh, of a nation, and you, put it, and you judge him based on, on, a, on, on a couple games uh, in major tournaments every couple years, assuming you get there and McLaren's not in charge, and, and he's either a genius or he's a villain based on that. A lot of other FAs don't... Yeah, break it down. Break it down. No, a lot of other countries like, just simply don't England, care. No, a lot of other countries simply don't care about the national team or the national team manager to that same degree. They, they simply don't. They don't make such a big deal out of it. And that's fine. I, I, Brazil certainly are similar to England in that way. They care about I'm their national sure. team. I think countries do. No, I, but let me assure you, they do not. not well, to, name a country that doesn't give a... Who well, about there? Well, everybody cares to some degree, but not to the same level you oh, do well, here. Name me a country and give me detail. Right, Italy, Germany, France, Spain—all those countries that 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 the win international tournaments in your lifetime. You know those ones. They just don't care to the same degree. Well, good luck to uh, to, to Gareth Southgate. I'm sure, given that there's no football next week, we'll have plenty of time to talk him in England. And that's why, in case people bring this up, we're not delving more into the England team this week. Right, enough of this uh, depressing crap. How about some quick hits? Oh, look, we start with England. Gareth Southgate names his new England squad. Uh, Michael Antonio's there. Uh, There's no Ross Barkley, but there is Glenn Johnson. Uh, Paul, I assume you're more of an England fan than I am, although probably not more than Scoey, because I once asked Scoey, would you rather United got relegated if it meant England winning the World Cup? And what did you say? No. Exactly. Paul, I'm sure you'd be happy for United to be relegated if it meant that England could win the World Cup. What are your thoughts on Gareth's squad? I, I think it's remarkable that he's called Glenn Johnson up. I just, I he's not played well for England for... He's not started for England for two years, and he's not played well for England for about four years, five years. And the fact that he's got it in above of, ahead of Danny Simpson is quite you know, startling for me. It, it seems odd. You wouldn't think there'd be a shortage of, of, of fullbacks in, uh, in, in England anyway. Manchester United are held by Stoke, uh, 1-1, and Mourinho hailed it as possibly their best performance of the season. Ollie Kay, who uh, likes to be a bit of a contrarian, dared to contradict the special one. Uh, he writes in the game that United were good for sort of the uh, the first half hour, and they were good at the end uh, when, when they pushed on. But in the middle bit, it was Stoke who had the upper hand. Uh, Scoey, you're objective and have no particular allegiance to uh, either Stoke or Manchester United. 
or indeed Ollie K or Jose Mourinho. Who's right? Uh, Oli K is not a million miles away, actually. I think United so you're played... contradicting Mourinho? This was not yeah, United's best performance spin, wasn't season? it, by Jose? It wasn't there. They played OK. They missed a sack full of chances. And at 1-0, you're always going to think in, here we go. Two points dropped. Big two points dropped, considering City lost yesterday. Speaking of Stoke, this Lee Grant comes in and steals the show. Uh, I have to say, I was unfamiliar with his work before this season. Uh, I don't follow the lower league. Sorry. That, that is awful. I know, I that know. That is awful. <laughs> but Wilfried Boney and Mark Arnautovic kind of stink up the joint up front. Uh, Paul, Stoke or second bottom? Will you please reassure me that they're going to be fine and, and my mate Sparky will be fine? I don't think they will, unfortunately. I, no. I just think if you rely, sorry, if, if you rely on Wilfred Boney, you, you know, to, to score your goals in, well, in the They have Peter Crouch, is, too. Exactly. Um, and... And Jonathan, I think Jonathan Walters is probably their best striker, to be honest. Um, when fit. When fit, exactly, yeah. Borne's confidence was absolutely rock bottom last season. He was booed every time he came off the bench at Man City. And he just doesn't seem to have you know, recovered that confidence at all. But Grant, Grant is a good goalkeeper. I'm, I'm a Sheffield Wednesday fan, and he had, he had a few good years at us, so, with us. So he's, uh, I'm, I'm glad he finally got his chance. And he, you know, he, he played extremely well yesterday. Leicester City are held by Southampton, nil-nil, and Claudio Ranieri say that his team are lucky to get a point and that he made mistakes. Scoey, when your manager comes out and says, oh, we were fortunate and it's my fault, how do you take it as a player? I, I'm hoping that you have an interesting anecdote that you want to relate about, maybe about the time Uncle George says, oh, I, we lost 3-0, and it's all down to me, it's not the players. No, I don't think I've ever been under a manager. I'm trying to think if Mr. Warnock used to say some strange things and blame the weather or the certainly blame the referee. Uh, I think Mr. Ranieri's stock is so high, he can come out and say what he wants at the moment, can't he? After a wonderful victory against Porto midweek. They were a little bit lethargic. just hasn't quite happened for him yet in the league, Leicester, but it will. Liverpool win at Swansea, possibly sealing Francesco Guidolin's fate, though judging from the way Swansea played, uh, the players certainly seemed up for it, and they seemed a bit unfortunate, just as they were slightly unfortunate against City the week before. Uh, Paul, you want to weigh in on why the owners would possibly bring in somebody like Ryan Giggs? I think Swansea are just kind of drifting at the moment, aren't they? They, they don't really seem to be. You know, that, that was a bit of a one-off yesterday, that performance, from what I, from what I can tell. I just don't think they've got the kind of energy or... You know, they don't seem to have the direction. But you know, when when they're playing, they don't really seem to know what the, you know, what what they where they're supposed to be playing, what what they're supposed to be doing. And you know, bringing in someone like Giggs would, you know, would be a massive gamble. Obviously, given that his, you know, short short managerial spell at United is the only kind of experience he's got. But you know, it, it might be worth taking it on him. I assume you're a Cardiff fan. Uh, Chelsea win their first Premier League game since August, beating Hull City 2-0 as Antonio Conte switches to a back three, sort of. Scoey, is this the answer? No. Thank you. Back threes, uh, okay when you're playing poor opposition because you can get bodies forward and create overloads in midfield, but when you play against teams that are as good as you, you have to be careful that the back three doesn't become a back five and you get overrun in midfield. Gab, one for you. How did Barcelona and Real Madrid get on this weekend? I bet whoever they were playing laid down for them because La Liga is just a two-team league. Well, no, actually, Scoey, you're wrong. It's actually very, very exciting this season. Uh, Real Madrid drew at home to Abad. It's now four games in all competitions without a win. Do you know how long? You know when that last happened? No. It was so long ago that not only were you still playing, you weren't even old yet. It was 2006. 
Can you imagine that? Where were you in 2006? I was at Crystal Palace Football Club. Okay, so maybe yeah, maybe your, your salad days were slightly behind you, but still. In 2006, you actually had the back page of the Times like Matthew Syed's got today. Uh, this is true. This is true. Yeah. But and in, we both had the mighty have fallen, both of us. I know. Dude, we're, we're, we're all on the slide here. But anyway, back to Real Madrid. They're on the slide, too, a little bit in terms of results. Um, basically, Zidane is getting under a little bit of pressure, though, but Madrid are still top of the table, still undefeated on the season. They're level on points with Atletico, who beat Valencia. Barcelona, that's the big one. Uh, they went, they played Celta. They were 3-0 down at halftime. They lost 4-3. It's annoying because uh, Celta, of course, uh, beat them last season as well. It basically actually ties in a little bit to Spurs because Celta do this sort of insane high press and uh, Barcelona tried to pass their way out of it and they couldn't and they paid a hefty price for it. Uh, but it is pretty interesting at the top of La Liga. You have four teams, Sevilla being the fourth one, in, uh, in the space of just two points. Right, that's all we've got time for today. Many, many, many thanks to my guest today, James Scowcroft, that is sarcastic, passive-aggressive best. Paul Hurst, seasonal debut down the line from the Great Northwest. And Gregor Robertson, another debut for him. Uh, please read uh, his stuff uh, on, on the lower leagues. Great story uh, about his experiences uh, with bongs, well not him taking a bong or paying a bong, but relating some interesting anecdotes anyway about life in the lower leagues. Now remember, it's just £12 for a 12-week trial if you want to subscribe, just search The Times online. Uh, you can press the subscribe button wherever you choose to download your podcast and uh, we're going to be back next week. Till next time, bye-bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.